Hey, my friend, welcome to the Living a Better Story podcast. You know, sometimes we call this podcast an experience because all throughout the mass variety of amazing guests we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business growth numbers, forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. My name is Daryl Stinson, and I'm one of the content producers here. I trust that you're already living an amazing story, but whether you are or not, we are here to help you live a better one. The process is simple. No matter where you are in business or life, we are going to show you how to complete your past, tell the truth about your current reality, and empower you to live a better story. So as you hear stories that inspire you and information that can help you, please do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, share with others, and let us hear about the goodness that's happening in your life. All right, my friend, that's all for now. Go enjoy the episodes and get ready to swing open wide the door to unlimited opportunities. Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. I'm with someone who's been through a lot of stuff in life and came out the other side in a magical way. His tagline on his website, well, I'm going to let Charles say that. So Charles Crouch, welcome to the show. What's your tagline on your website? Hey, I my tagline is making being a good dad and loving your wife sexy again. Loving your wife sexy again. Man, that's so good. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than having a wife that loves you and kids that love you and being in the house. It's bliss. That's exactly right. We have very few experiences of that in our culture, and it's sad. It's been robbed from us, but really, you want to be happy, leave leave work early, do less work, work less hard, your real job starts when you get home, and it is so rewarding. So rewarding. Wow, man. Well, this is going to be a fun talk. Um, if This is a new question, so you're the first. If, uh, if you could think of the three words others would use to describe you, what do you think those might be? Authentic, unfiltered, and... Um, you know, I don't know what the word is. Maybe you can help fill it in. But in the Navy, I had a, my nickname was MacGyver. Oh, yeah. I would never use the gear the way the gear is supposed to be used. I would always change it into something that no one else was using. I think MacGyver is, describes it fine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think most of our listeners will know what that means. I was a huge fan of the show myself. All right, let's rewind the tape now and go back to age five, six, seven. You know, a lot of times our first memories as children, some people remember when they're two, which is, I'm like, mind blown. How is that even possible? But um, think of some of your first memories and what you might have been passionate about. What kind of lit you up when you were younger? I don't know. I had just a incredible tenacity for playing in the woods, climbing the trees, digging in the dirt. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was snakes. I still don't like them. Ooh. But just the tenacity for just like uh, life and experiencing life. I remember that. That's what I remember, like just wanting to to see it all and um, playing outside. Man, I'll tell you, when I grew up, it was dirt and a stick and a rock. That's what, that's what you had. And and I was fine with that. I remember a kid up the road got an Atari and I walked up the road one time, I think I was like five or six and I watched him play Pong. And what was the other Atari? Asteroid. Asteroids. Wow. 
Yeah. Centipede. Some of those were good. I see we were in an television family. So we had the little round disc on the thing. And I remember playing pitfall and my word would be competitive because I just always wanted to complete. So I remember sending it in. They sent me the t-shirt that said I completed pitfall, you know, and I thought I was so cool. (laughs) Completion competition. Um, So thinking about MacGyver and the words that you used and thinking about what you're passionate about when you're a kid and not right. The snake, that's an interesting tell in there as well. Um, (laughs) I think there's probably something to that. Um, How does that tie to the kind of work that you do today? Well, I lead truth at work executive roundtable discussion groups. I lead marriage retreats called the last resort, which is people who are on the brink of divorce. Maybe already got their papers signed up. They're going to pick up one more rock and throw it in the in the lake to see if they can make it. Uh, I lead father-son retreats called Malachi Men, which um, join the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. Wow. Right. And all this stuff like we've been robbed of, of just bringing it back to family. So um, self-actualization, you know, is what it ties back to. In the woods, I'm playing. I'm trying to just experience it all. And even now, I, I really feel like God has shown me through uh, serving the Lord and family. I mean, that's how you can just enjoy every day. The book of Ecclesiastes tells you it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. The book of Revelations tells you that people are going to take all their gold and silver and throw it in the streets, and they're going to say, what worth is it to me now? And they're going to yell at the the mountains and say, fall on me, because they're scared of the Holy One that's coming. And uh, so in this moment, I'm just trying to tell people, don't run that way, run this way, family. God's already given it to you and you need to invest in that. So self-actualization, I think, would be that connection between now and then. Mm, Wow, that's really deep. Wow, Uh, what a neat. We were just talking about the levels of soil, right? Where you plant your seed. Some people plant their seed and they're just they're not ready for God. And the, you know, the, I, I think of, they often they call it, well, it might be the universe or, you know, I, I just don't believe in God, but I believe in, you know, something. And so they're just not quite there. And then there's the rocky soil and it's, you know, they plant and they're immediately like, oh, this is awesome. God's awesome. And then they forget and they kind of quickly fade away. And then there's the ones who are choked out by the thorns. They're like, you know what? I'm pot committed. But the world comes in and says, yeah, but you could go buy this nice watch or you could go buy this nice car or, oh, maybe that girl over there, she looks pretty nice. Go talk to her. And then there's the people in the fertile soil. Thinking about who you serve, it sounds like you serve all four of the of the levels. Is there a particular ICP, if you will, of people that you find that you're helping? People who are open their hearts and they're at a point, they're at a precipice and they say, um, I need help. Mm. If you can't help someone that isn't asking for it. <clears throat> as I get older, I'm still fighting with myself as in how much energy do I, I, I spend on someone who's super proud, but they're their own worst enemy. And you know, they're walking towards the edge of the cliff and you can see it in their wife and you can see it in their business and you can see it in their family. Um, I don't know, Chad, let me ask you, should I waste my time with someone who's not ready to hear? Man, I think the answer's no to that. I think when, 
you know, when you even, even a homeless person on the side of the road, who's on methamphetamine and we pulled over and I asked the guy, Billy, that I was with, this was two, three weeks ago in Florida. And I said, Hey, when do you know, like who you're going to approach? And he goes, ah, I just ask God. And, and he tells me, so I'm three lanes over and I'm like, Oh, Whoa, I got to go. And I veer over, you know, and we pull wow. into this gas station and we went up to this kid and he said, you know, he was 27. And, uh, and we said, Hey, so what's going on? You know, here, we got you some food. The other guy left. So clearly God didn't want us to talk to the other man, just this man. And so he's 26, 27 and he's pretty frail. Um, and we said, Hey, so what's going on? Well, Billy was 30 times, 33 times in and out of prison. And so he, he was able to go up with complete credibility and look this man in the eyes and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. God told us to come and say hi to you right now. So we wanted to give you some food. We wanted to give you, you know, this he's, and what else are your needs right now? He goes, well, you know, look at my shoes. They're just sopping wet. I could use a pair of socks and, and ideally shoes. And I looked at my shoes. I'm like, man, I'd give you these. Like all I had was a pair of dress shoes in the car. So I'm like, here, here's two pairs of socks. Here's a shirt. Um, I gave him, and then we said, uh, you know, we really talked to him and, and we said, are you, you know, are you, are you high right now? He's like, yes. And, and then Billy pulls up his arm. He goes, look, I have tracks on my arm. And he goes, I was you, uh, how many times you've been to jail? The kid goes, never, not once. Okay. Got it. So he was, he was at the press. He hasn't even experienced jail. So Billy was like, Whoa, this is awesome. Like this kid could avoid jail and God through me and Billy could cause him to miss jail. So I think back to your question, you know, it's, it's asking God, can this person, because the person might not even know it, but what if God tells you that that person could be saved? Slightly variable answer to what we talked about. That's a good, that's a good response. I needed to hear that today because maybe I've been uh, a little stout in my own assessments and I just look for someone who's humble enough to listen. And um, so I appreciate that. You know. And it reminds me of my friend in high school who just wouldn't talk to the girls. And I was always a good wingman. So it was like, hey, so tell me, you know, and, and then I'd hand I'd hand off the girl to him uh, because, you know, whatever. That was just my thing. So I think about, you know, he's not married today. And so how many people did he pass by that might have been the perfect person? So there you go. I'll hammer that in. All right, let's rewind <laughs> the tape a little bit and go through. Well, now we're going to move the tape forward, I guess, from five, six up. Um, we all hit the buzzsaw of life. If I remember right, you said something about the number 23 and, and that stuck with me because that's a good number in my book. Two and three are lucky numbers for me. But tell us about one or two of the buzzsaws of life where, where you just, you hit it. And now looking back, you're like, oh, wow, that really changed my trajectory for oh. good. Tell us about some of those. Yeah, I can remember the night my girlfriend at the time went out with her girls on a Wednesday night and I would decided to go with my Navy pals to a party. And there was a girl at the party there. She looked nice. And so I wanted to take her out on the motorcycle and impress her. And, uh, you know, I'm going to just invite you into the pre-Christ mind that I had. And so I take her around uh, Southern California on the bike, and I'm not following the laws. I'm just showing off like an idiot, endangering my life. 
and a cop pulls out to pull me over. Um, so I did like what I did every time is I downshifted and took off. One of the laws they have in Southern California is that they don't pursue uh, due to unnecessary endangerment mm-hmm. for motorcyclists. So it works. Um, I was getting away and uh, the, there's a minivan. I can still see it. It's seared in my head. The last thing I saw was this minivan pulling out in front of me. And I swerved to miss the, the minivan and I did. I missed it, but I, I ran up on the curb and my front tire jackknifed on my, my motorcycle and I went flying. I was doing 60 miles an hour. I flew 60 feet in the air and I landed on a fire hydrant, the girl behind me, and I shattered my pelvis into 13 pieces. The cop that saved, that was chasing me saved my life. He called the ambulance and they were there in a few minutes. They scooped me up and um, it was a traumatic incident. I should have died there. I didn't. In the hospital, the doctor said you should have died, but you were in such great health. I got to uh, the hospital. They 13 bone surgeries later, uh, they were about to send me home. (laughs) And then my stomach imploded on itself because my stomach had been damaged irreparably. Uh, My spleen spleen and liver had been um, abrased. My large intestine exploded and my small intestine filled those holes. My large intestine started digesting my small intestine. I was digesting myself. Anyways, I went septic and I was septic for over 40 hours and I should have died. They put me in a drug induced coma in which I had an out of body experience and I looked down on my own body and I remember it. I looked down and there were some people praying for me around my bedside, uh, a chaplain, my girlfriend who wasn't on my bike and a, uh, my orthopedic surgeon. And so I got to meet those people when I came up out of the coma because they prayed me back. And uh, the Lord's given me an, a new opportunity in life. But I, I should have uh, died then. I didn't. I had another thing in the hospital where I spiked a fever of like 105 and I had lost 40 pounds and they ran a code on me. And that's time number three. Uh, Chad, I'll tell you, had I, had I not made it through one of those, I would have gone to help. And I say that with fear and trembling, fear and trembling. Um, but I got out of the military or I got out of the hospital and rehab. It took me 10 months to, to rehab my body back to health. One of the hardest things I've ever been through. And, um, in that process, I went into a church and the man at the pulpit turned and looked at me and pointed at me and spoke to me the word of God for my life. Never experienced that before. A few few weeks after that, I had gotten involved in some Bible studies, and then I gave my life to the Lord. And my buzzsaw moment was when I met him. So I had a spiritual encounter with Jesus. And uh, I feel like that guy in Saving Private Ryan at the end of the movie when Tom Hanks is dying, and they just lost all their men to save this one guy, Private Ryan. Private Ryan meets him right when he's, passing on his life to private Ryan. And, and he says, uh, come down here. And he, and Matt Damon bends down and he goes, don't waste it. You know? And so I have this opportunity to, okay. And I got a life. I have it. I shouldn't have it, but I do. What am I going to do with it? And so my decisions I make are geared towards, uh, 
I don't deserve this. This, this life belongs to God. And so what I'm giving him is I'm giving him four kids that know him. I'm loving my wife. My wife can uh, fly around the house like a butterfly because she knows her husband's behind her and loves her. And, um, she could be fat or pretty or skinny or whatever. I'll still love her. Wow. So she has that in her heart and she knows it. And um, that's what I'm doing, man. I'm on a mission. Okay, so let's go back a minute because we we've <laughs> you're yeah. sitting in the pew. I want to hammer the point home that we already brought up twice during this conversation already. You're in the pew. You don't know if you're ready to accept God or not yet. Is what I hear you saying here. And then that person pointed, and so there was a Y intersection there, and you had to choose which path. Um, how did how did you know to choose the how, or how did or maybe was that God talking to you or what did that represent for you and how does that apply to what you're doing for other people? You know what pushed me over the edge to accept Christ was that girl that was on the bike. She helped me through the hospital and she helped me rehab, and then she left me for another guy. I was 22 years old and I had this little crisis moment and it was just a bump set spike for the Lord. I was just being set up by God. I'm humiliated. I'm a fighter. All everyone knows this girl left me for another guy and I wanted revenge and just everything I had put in my flesh and myself was coming out. And I asked the Lord to take it. And he walked in the room. I gave my, my life to the Lord and he took it all faster than a lightning bolt. Yes. And I spoke in tongues. Wow. Bump set spike, man. I, I've never heard it put like that. Um, yeah. It, have it, you it ever is met that anybody quick. that doesn't, hasn't come to the Lord without a crisis? That's right. I never have. And yeah. so it's just like the setup, man. He's setting you up. You see anybody in crisis like your meth head friend in uh, Florida. Yes. He's in a crisis. He's humble enough to listen and bump set spike. Um, He's just waiting for someone to come along their path. So for me, his, his Bible, or I don't even think it was a Bible. I think it's a, a, it's like a study guide and it's wrinkled at the edges. You can tell coffee spilled on it once or twice. He lives and breathes God's word. And he is planted in such fertile soil. A man who went to prison 33 times did methamphetamine. His dad went to prison. His son is now in prison. His wife just died in prison two, three months ago, like prison, 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 prison. And yet I would bet more money on Billy Dyson than I would on almost anybody else that I know for being a man of God, knowing he's on the path to heaven because he hit the rock, the actual rock bottom, right? <laughs> so seeing those people and discovering them and and then putting all of God's will and power behind them, that's where I'm at in life is identifying them. Like you're you're pretty you're far down the path. Like you are helping other people to do that. And so that's really neat. All right, we've talked about this a little, and so let's share another one since <laughs> since we're here. When God undeniably showed up, obviously you've shared two or three already. You said you've got 23. Give me another one. <laughs> okay, so I'm at war in Iraq, and I'm flying down the road. We're in a convoy. We just got done with a mission, and uh, we're coming back from a mission. We're going to come and take our gear off and, and – uh, do our debrief and everything and things are winding down. So the adrenaline rush is behind us for the most part, and we're ready to come back to base. 
but we're still outside the wire and danger zone and our front tire goes flat. This is right outside of Fallujah, right between Baghdad and Fallujah. And it's bad guy, bad guy road. <laughs> and so we set up a, a perimeter and the front tire is flat. We don't know if we're going to get attacked or, or what's going on. So uh, it's a little frustrating. We should have practiced our tire changes a little bit more, but it took us about 15 minutes and people are running all around. And Chad, while we're there, a Marine convoy goes past us. And a mile down the road, their front vehicle gets bitten in half by a roadside bomb. Mm. They lose all the guys in their front vehicle. Mm. That would have been me. So you look at one of those, Chad, and you're like, I I've been spared. Yet again. Why, why me and why not them? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I struggle with that. But again, I go back to like, okay, if I get this life, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to give it back to a lot. That's, that's one buzzsaw moment. I mean, I've had bullets cracking over my head. If you didn't know it, bullets going over your head sounds like firecrackers over you. Like someone's just throwing them in the air. Because they are little tiny like uh, pieces of metal that are breaking the sound barrier. Crack, crack, crack. Um. It been shot at on the road. And if you don't know what that looks like when you're on the road, it looks like the driver in front of you throws a cigarette butt out the window and it's just sparking across the pavement. So been wow. shot at. I think the um the blog post that you should write is called Outside the Wire on that one, because that's okay. pretty neat, right? When you're inside the wire, God's got you and and your heart's protected. When you're outside the wire, you know what I've heard recently, I'm going through an eight week study program with Rico McAdory, who wrote God given identity. And he said, your spirit is God's. He owns it. Your soul. And I'm just at that. I'm on the cliffhanger chapter right now. And we're meeting again this week. Your soul is unprotected. It's naked in the world. And so there's a fight for your soul, right? And it's yeah. who's going to, who's going to get it. So do you, right. when you give it to God and you say, God, my soul is yours and it has, it's unconditional. Billy said he gave him 97% before, and then he ends up back in jail. I'm like, dude, 33 times. Like, you know, and I can have that conversation with him. What, what, what gives? And he goes, finally, I just said, okay, you can have it all. And just like the lightning bolt that you shared, man, it's that instantaneous. You have to be sincere and you yeah. have to like, in the in the last month i was like you know god carve it out like a pumpkin the things where i blurred the lines because of humanity take it away make it unblurry so that i can see the difference between right and wrong and it was like man when i did that on the third trauma this year that's when it all changed because i got close and i've i've always walked a path with god but there's been times where i'm 100 yards off the path going yeah that was per that was pretty nice over there and right. coming back fully is like, ah, oh, there's just no going back. Okay, last question. We've already talked again a little about it. I'm going to ask it in a slightly different way than I usually do. Define faith for you, and then what role does that play in your journey? Faith I've learned to see in others. You can't, people can't really see what faith is in themselves, uh, but Faith is uncertainty of the future. Faith is not making decisions based on the good data or the best practices or what everyone else is doing. Faith is going the opposite direction. So for me, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Wow. Yeah. Lord told us to sell our house in uh, eight, September, in April of 2018 in Seattle. And it, everything's going up, up, up. And we sold. 
and we sold everything. Um, didn't make sense. And everyone told us not to do it, including the elders of our church and the pastor of our church and my wife's parents and my parents and all my friends. No, we sold anyways. You look back on the chart of Seattle, the real estate chart, you see a little spike in the spring of 2018. It just goes a little bit. We happen to sell at the high and leave Seattle. Um, looking, looking back on that situation, I can imagine being a gym owner in Seattle through COVID. The Lord separated me because he knew I wouldn't be uh, a good boy. I would have been naughty during the pandemic as a gym owner. Um, so, I, you know, he saved me against what everybody says. There's wow. so many times uh, people come to me for counseling and they're like, what should I do? And I'm like, well, just do what the Lord tells you to do because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You may think you have all the information, but you have nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's above our pay grade. It's there's so much that goes on outside of our own thinking ability that when we can play in the other side of the brain and connect to eternal life and the creator, it's amazing what he tells you to do. Um, you know, same thing. We're, we're selling buddy, our house right now. It's amazing. Yeah. I had a buddy who in 2014 was selling his house because he was expecting another uh, seven to eight year cycle in the economy from 2018. So they started selling in 14. Well, the economy didn't bust in 14. In fact, real estate went up and he lost out a lot. So he thought he was playing it smart, but in fact, um, he didn't know that the economy was going to keep going up. So he missed out, but that's just a decision he made, um, in his mind and not with the Lord. But, uh, a lot of these different things, like if, when you look at someone and set and, and they're in a, in a uneasy situation, they're going day to day, uh, with things that don't make sense, whether it's employment or investments or relationships, it goes against the grain. You are swimming up river with faith. But what people don't know about faith is that it's surfing a wave. <clears throat> now, when you surf the wave of the Lord, it's the most exhilarating ride. And you don't know which, what that wave is going to do. The, the cool thing about the wave, if any of uh, anybody out there is a surfer, is that the front of the wave is flat. It has no chop. It has no little choppiness in it. If you are on the wave and you're riding, you can actually look down through the wave like it's a clear piece of glass and you can see the ocean floor go past you because it's not choppy water. The front of the, the wave is smooth and it's the, it's the best ride you'll ever have is riding the wave of the Lord. You'll do everything in your life that doesn't make sense, but you'll do it because that's where you're supposed to be. And in it's exhilarating ride, the Lord's wave is funner than any other wave. And, and you see a lot of Christians miss out on that wave. You see them all just, pulling back and saying, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm mentoring another guy right now. Who's like, I just talked to him Friday. Uh, today's Monday. He calls me Friday. He goes, I'm out of money. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, ah, I think I might need to get a job just to make it work. And I said, did the Lord tell you to do that? He goes, no, but all these men of God are, I said, you follow the Lord, man. And you do. I mean, even though this is not good financial advice, um, he goes, are, I, I'm not able to pay my credit card off this month. Is that a sin? I go, no, that's the Lord's to pay off. That's not yours to pay off. I, I was like, you're just starting to surf this wave and it's crazy. But just wait, wait for these things to connect and your faith is yes. going to be united with God and it's going to come to pass. Money's not real. This whole world isn't real. God's real. Angels and demons are real. And uh, 
you're just you're just getting used to surfing this wave. It's so terrifying. So faith will offend the adults, the religious. Faith will offend them. They will get mad at you for your faith because you don't make good make good sense. Kids will run to you and hug your legs and laugh with you. And something will come inside your belly that you'll get on the ground and start playing with these kids with joy and a smile. You'll be just like them because you're vibrating on their frequency of faith. Um, so faith is, that is, that is a rare stone left unturned by lots of people. So I'm, I get to this point in my life where I just like, I want to surf the wave of the Lord. Yes. And I want to, I want to be there. It is terrifying. It is terrifying. You know, when people come to me with their worldly problems, I'm like, you have no idea what I'm going through. And yet I'm here and I'm doing fine. I got my smile on and, um, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyways, well, that's that's amazing. Um, Billy, who I mentioned a couple times in this talk so far, <clears throat> he said something similar. He the other day I, I was talking to him and he said, you know, being with God is like being high to the most high. And he said, yeah. he said, Chad, when I was riding with you in the car two, three weeks ago and we were talking about how do we impact the kingdom? Yeah. He goes, man, I felt more high than I ever felt doing drugs, hanging out right. with you for that weekend. Amen. And so did I. We were both on a level of a playing field that was just awesome, like surfing that wave. So let's um let's close in prayer here, Charles. It's been awesome. You prayed for me last time, so I think it's my turn. God, thank you for bringing Charles Crouch into my life and into the listeners of the podcast today. I, I pray that you will reach through the microphone into the speakers of our listeners and change someone's life. You, you said, and Jesus said, that one person, just one lost sheep is all worth it. So may there be one lost sheep who hears this message today, leans in and, and changes their life and accepts you as the one and only path. And God, please continue to help Charles in his journey. And may he reach out to someone that maybe he would not have reached out to without this conversation. May you direct his path and footsteps over the next coming hours and days so that someone who is in need of Charles Crouch and the work that he does with wives and with father-son relationships and parenting relationships, may he impact somebody who may be just sitting on the other side and who needs you and doesn't know they need you yet. So God, thank you for Charles Crouch. Thank you for aligning us on this conversation. And, and may we continue to, uh, to, to work for you so that God, your glory can be delivered here on earth and that we can all realize the kingdom's available here and now. And we don't actually have to wait for it to get to the other side. So God, in your name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Chad, before you hit uh, pause on that record, I got a word for someone out there. Um, can I just say it? Yes, please. Okay. So there's a Jeremiah or a Jeremy or a Jason. Um, if I just said your name, this might be you, but it's definitely a J. Uh, maybe Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah, the Lord wants you to shake off everything that Chad just prayed for. Um, you can contact me through whatever... Chad has listed on his, his podcast, but I want to encourage you uh, to shake off the world. Uh, you are at the 99% level and the Lord's calling you to the, to the, to the next level. I see a wife, I see a girl in your life. 
I see um, a praying girl behind you and she has been asking God to take you to the next level. So whatever that means for you, uh, I'll call you Jeremiah. Um, I'm rooting for you. It is terrifying at first, but after you're used to it, it's, it's the best ride you'll ever, ever live in. I see you healing people with your hands and encouraging people uh, with your words. So I can't wait to meet you. Wow. And guess what uh, the name of the person on the side of the road was that we went, he had it tattooed on his arm. Jeremiah. Get out. (laughs) There you go. Jeremiah, Jason, whoever's name starts with a J and you just heard it, man. When Charles did the similar conversation with me and he shared something with me, it came true. So listen to this. That's God talking to you right now. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining another Living a Better Story podcast. Awesome conversation. Charles Crouch will post his contact information just like me. We're accessible. We'd love to talk with you anytime, anywhere, and uh, appreciate you joining. All right, everybody. God's peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.